to the Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter Podcast, where we highlight all of the great coaches of the Pacific Northwest. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Sorensen, Jason Jarrett, and Kelly Gow. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to your next episode of the Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner Podcast. Eric Sorensen here as we are set to bring you another action-packed episode as we have two return guests, as we get two guys on the call tonight, the five screen for the YouTube guys. Go check out our YouTube channel for that. CJ Baker, guys, he, CJ Big. C.J. Baker, the Minnesota Twins minor league hitting coach, and Jeff Calhoun, the minor league assistant coach for the Astros, as we have an action-packed episode, a lot of fun conversation. Actually, the more fun stuff was probably off the air that we can't air, but it was a, such a fun episode sitting down with these two that were both with us on episode or season one, and you guys are guaranteed to enjoy it. Please share this episode with somebody. Please get on and rate and review our podcast so that we can get this thing out. This episode is brought to you by MaxBP. Go to MaxBP.com. Go check them out for some great visual training aids. That pitching machine is awesome. Shooting the little wiffle balls. We're going to be able to use the heck out of it this year. And when you go to checkout, type in PNW Banter for 10% off. And you also get a free gift of a $50 value for purchases over $499. They also own Heavy Swing. Great overload, heavy training bats. Kelly Gow is going to talk about them here in the next episode. And also Frost Gear, go check them out. They got those great batting gloves that keep your hands warm, but yet you can still throw across the diamond. Awesome stuff. So go check them out, maxbp.com. We're also brought to you by Safeguard out of the Tri-Cities. We're going to be handing out koozies, hats, pins, towels at the Coaches Clinic here in Ellensburg, Washington, here February 9th and 10th, and all that stuff was brought to you by Safeguard. And go check out Devo Bats. Go to devobats.com. Time to get those fungos ordered for the season. Get your staff some fungos. And like I just said, Washington State Baseball Coaches Association putting on a clinic here in Ellensburg, Washington, at Central Washington University. Friday night will be in the theater of the rec center. There'll be panels. There'll be lots of conversation. It's going to be awesome. It's brought to you by AstroTurf. Big thank you to Greg Swenson for sponsoring the clinic. Also brought to you by Adrenaline Fundraising. Going to be awesome. And Devo Bats as well. So check that out. Go to allstatebaseball.com to get signed up. And Friday night after the clinic, we'll have a social at the Red Lion Hotel in the ballroom with drinks and lots of baseball talk to go around. And then on Saturday, we'll be in the field house on campus of Central Washington University in Nicholson Pavilion for some amazing on-field demonstrations and baseball conversation. And you'll be home by dinner that night on Saturday. It'll be awesome. Or you can stick around and Central Washington University was host Alaska Anchorage that night in a basketball game, catch some GNAC hoops. $75 for an individual coach, $150 for a staff of three or less, $225 for a staff of four plus. Go register. AllstateBaseball.com slash clinics. Guys, that was enough for me, and I just can't wait to hear your reviews of this podcast. This is going to be such a fun episode for you guys, so get ready to laugh, get ready to learn. And here is C.J. Baker and Jeff Calhoun. All right, Fungo Banner fans, we are back, and it's an exciting night. We got our first five-screen video chat, so go to our YouTube and check it out. But we are fired up to have return guests back on. We got C.J. Baker, the Twins minor league baseball hitting coach, and Jeff Calhoun, the minor league's assistant coach for the Astros organization. Guys, welcome back on to the podcast. Excited to be here. Really, really excited to be here. Thanks for having us back. I'm going to reiterate what C.J. says, and 
as a original podcaster with you guys, it's it's awesome to be in the five screen setting. Like this yeah. is a, this is an incredible event. Absolutely. Well, we are we when the idea was brought up, we were so fired up for you guys to come back on, and we we were talking about it, and we're like, man. Our normal first question is, what's your favorite fungo? But we've asked that, been there, done that. So we decided we're going to ask another hard-hitting question, I guess. So instead of asking what your favorite fungo is, and it's kind of been a trend this year in this season, but what's your favorite machine you're using for whatever it is? Man, I love the mini hack, man. I love the mini hack still. Like, that's that's my favorite. I mean, we when CJ and I worked at Biola, we made a deal with Jugs. And at the um, MP, like the, this is a J, I'm trying to think what the name of it was, the three where it's like, see, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the automatic, like you could just move the clicker and it would go to like whatever pitch you wanted. Yeah. Like that was pretty sweet. But like my last spring there, I got a mini hack again. And I was like, yeah, these, this is, the mini hack is my favorite. That's my favorite. Yeah. I got to, I actually got to roll the same one just because you can do so much with it. Um, I, I love the ability to throw the, throw the dimple balls in there, have players hit those light flights that are, are still a little bit denser than your traditional light flight ball. And, uh, they're able to hit that thing without blowing their hands up and work on some pitches that maybe they're like a little more insecure on prior to. So that mini hack is just versatile. You're such a hitting coach. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, like I don't like, yeah, you make me sound like an idiot in regards to like, Hey, like I like this machine. Let me give you an exact breakdown of why I like this machine. <laughs> All right, like whatever, dude. No, I think the junior, the ju- we've we got the junior a couple of years ago, and that thing's been through the ringer. Knobs coming off, the wheels are kind of wobbly, but it shoots like a, a champ. That thing's a hero, hitting infield, outfield, all those things. So yeah, maybe a new sponsor down the line. You know, we gotta so get down on the old. Uh, if you're hack attack. Uh, listening from Hack Attack, so it is Eric at BigCountryMedia.com. Email me, <laughs> and we will get the sponsorship lined up. Throwback. Uh, Worst for vision uh, training. The Max BP is is the superior, <laughs> the, superior machine. The, the number one. The 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 throwback here is I re- I said the last time I was on this podcast when we said favorite fungo that I was open for fungo sponsorships and never received mm. a fungo oh. sponsorship. So I'm gonna also jcalhoun13 at gmail.com would be great <laughs> to send a link. Hack attack. Hack attack. Next out of Reno, Nevada. Um, <laughs> you know, just maybe you need to make a recruiting video. Jeff, just like the kids do, you know, with your fungos. <laughs> Hashtag. Just break your fungo on the first swing, and then just, I uh, don't you hate it when that happens? Poor quality fungos. <laughs> Me too. See, CJ can attest to this. I have broken one fungo in my career. <laughs> it was an electric sight to see, though. I'll tell you that. Snapped it. <laughs> Snapped it. <laughs> Oh man. oh man! That, that poor fungo didn't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, mini okay. hack. Well, so we got... I mean, the main reason why we got you guys back on here, back on track. Uh, uh, talk about your new gigs. I mean, we we have uh, we have a couple new exciting, uh, you know elevations for both of you leaving the division one baseball ranks into professional baseball um which is awesome to see i think there's been so many of the northwest guys that have started from the college end and ended up in the pro ranks and you guys are 
are the new crop of uh, of youngins to, to get there. So talk about your gigs, what you're excited for. Um, we don't have to get into why you did it, but talk about why you're <laughs> excited for the future and, and your new roles. Uh, I, I can start on that. Um, I, I think I'm most excited about the ability to just get back on the field. I was in a non-traditional coaching role, right, with Stanford for the last couple of years, which was awesome. I mean, I, I have really nothing bad to say at all about where I came from, anything. It, it was a great learning experience for me. And, you know, the, the job I had held prior working with Jeff actually was, you know, we had talked about it. I was like, I, I just feel I'm kind of like in a, in a stagnant place where I'm teaching the same things, I'm, I'm saying the same stuff. And recruiting with him was one of the things that kept the job really fresh. And, uh, you know, when the opportunity came up, it was like, he called me and was like, Hey man, I'll level with you. If I was in your shoes, I would have been gone yesterday. And I was like, all right, cool. And so I went there, learned a ton from some of the greatest coaches in the country. Obviously they've been to the world series three times in a row. And, uh, it was an unbelievable experience, but I, I was kind of at a point where I was like, okay, I need to take what I've learned here and I need to continue to, to get back on a path where I'm back on the field in a more traditional role. And um, I, I just I want to see what the pro ball side of things is like. And I've, I've got a really good friend in the organization with Tyler Smarslack, who is an infield coach at the AAA level. And he said, like, hey, you can either not do this thing and always wonder if professional baseball was for you or you can give it a try and find out one way or another whether it was for you. And that was kind of the breaking point for me where I was like, all right. You know, I would love to put on a big league uniform in spring training and just kind of live out that childhood dream a little bit. You know, part of me is is that. And then the other part is like it's still coaching younger players and developing. And it's like the true definition of development. So I'm I'm really excited to get going on on that aspect of things because development's been such a big passion of mine for a long time. And um, yeah, I just can't wait to get going on it. Yeah, I can confirm that that conversation did happen with me and CJ right around Christmas time, 2021. Um, like at my parents' house, I was sitting there like, yeah, you should like, if the roles were flipped, like I would do that. And then I hung up the phone. I was like, crap, I got to find a new assistant coach. Um, and so like, I think kind of similar to CJ, you know, uh, being in the third assistant role, um, you know, obviously I was on the field and able to coach and recruit, which is something I really was really passionate about. The, the idea that for me got really exciting was the opportunity to get really diving into the data side of things and being with the Houston Astros, the data information that they're able to gather is really just on a really high level, even compared to like for us as a data school at, at Campbell, just a lot of information, a lot of like really good ability to understand like reading data and understand like what the development plan is with that, but also bringing the coach's eye to that. I'm like, okay, like I see this, how does what I see correlate to the data? in like regards to reaction times and things like that from a position player. And so um, for me, like kind of similar to CJ, had a guy in the organization reach out that I knew who's the infield coordinator in Mike Ramazzotti. Um, and Mike reached out and we talked about the job and the opportunity. And for me, it was just kind of similar to CJ. It was like, I'm still working with 18 and 22 year olds on a daily basis. Still just really trying to understand like, how do I develop these guys to be the best player they could be? and understanding that their goal as players is to be in the big leagues versus college. Like their goal is to get to professional baseball and to win. So now it's like, Hey, we're in the business of winning and getting to the next level. And so like I was talking about it with my new manager who I'm working with, I was like, Hey man, like my goal 
is to work with these guys for as few a days total as possible because that means they moved on to the next level. And that's the objective is like get them out of here as fast as we can, which means we're getting them better, which means they're ready to go to the next level. And kind of similar to CJ, another coach in the or, in the organization with the Astros that I was good friends with, Nate Shaver, who's the high manager. He and I talked uh, when they called about the job, and he was like, "Hey man, what's your five year plan? Like, what 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 are you thinking?" I've always thought five year plans were shenanigans anyway, and pretty just like you don't know, man. Like I've said it on this podcast, I think the first time I was like, "Man, like my five year goal when I was." a volunteer at UC San Diego was to have insurance in five years. And in less than five years, I was a head coach at Biola. And that was when I got insurance. And I was like, well, that's like the, the I didn't think I was going to be a head coach, but I, I, I achieved my five-year goal, which again, I think it's really easy to get caught up in like what your long-term goal is. But if you're just really dove into like what my short-term success and short-term ability to do my job at a really high level is, that's when like doors will open and that's what this created. And, you know, for us, like the Astros had a need for a guy who is a, a catching background who, you know, I think for me it was a little different because I've been a manager in the college level. I've been an offensive guy at the college level. And I've also been a defensive guy in the catching world for the 10 years I've done this. And so for them, they kind of got a, a jack of all trades in regards to what they got. So they were really excited about it. And like kind of similar to CJ, just, I'm excited, you know, our player development meetings were a couple weeks ago and that was something that was really eye-opening and I learned a ton and being around all the coordinators and being around all the other coaches, like I think what really excites me over the Astros is that it's a younger group as a whole in regards to managers, assistant coaches, coordinators, everybody I would say in the room is mostly under 45 except for a couple guys. So I think for us, it's like there's a, it's a really fun energy to go to work with every day and you know, even now it's like while we're crunching goals and trying to create information on guys, it's like, man, this is fun. Like this is something that we don't get to be around the guys yet, but when we get to be around the guys in spring training, it's like, okay, I know who this guy is because I've seen his film for three hours and I know like how I can work with this guy and what I think I can do to help his success. So I think the fun thing about being a minor league guy, and I'll let CJ talk about this, is like I think, you know, the idea of being more behind the scenes of their success versus, you know, when they get there, they're not like, if they get to the major leagues, like they're not sitting there going like, man, like the guy in low way that helped me is the reason for my success. It's like, no, like we were just a part of their progression for them to become a big leaguer. And that's the, that, that for me is a lot more fun. And I think about that when being as a college coach and being at the low level for a long time and then transitioning to division one, it was like, man, like I was a small part of guys having success at the NAI level to D two to then division one, like, it's just like being a part of their progression of their development and seeing them have successes. I have, I get more excitement out of them having success than, you know, me, you know, as a head coach getting to 50 wins, like, like okay, great. I got the 50 wins, but like seeing them have success, it's like being able to text them like, Hey, like we had a guy at Biola that we coached that combined to throw a no hitter his first year in pro ball. And it's like, Hey man, like congratulations! Like what a cool deal! Like how awesome is that? Like being a part of their journey is a lot of fun, and that's where I feel like I still get to do that in pro ball, just like I did in college. So, and CJ did it. CJ transitioned to pro ball, so I followed him. I was like, you know, kind of the ongoing joke that Kelly has made before too is like, no, hey, no, 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 no. Like no, CJ no. went to Division One. I went to Coach Division One. Coach Goppel started this. It wasn't me. 
Like CJ became a pro coach, I became a pro coach. Like if CJ becomes an astronaut, I'll become an astronaut. It's not yeah. So it's like, like we'll just. I've got my, I, think, I think I added the astronaut in there, but you are an astro, so maybe I've got my I've astronaut. got my application into NASA. <laughs> well, mine's in with the bobsledding team, so it's like it's kind of similar to being in the space. It's fine. Like it's a little torpedo. <laughs> so, what are meetings like so far? You guys have, you know, Jeff, you had yours in person. I'm not sure if CJ, you met with anyone yet, but I'm sure you have Zooms and stuff on the daily. But what has kind of been the the vibe you've gotten? I mean, Jeff talked about the data end of things, but what are the communications like? What's different on a daily basis? Like what what kind of gets you excited? What maybe what gets you nervous, you know, about, you know, being around some of these guys and, you know, different backgrounds and, and all those things? Like what's kind of your guys' feelings right now towards all this? Go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think for me, <clears throat> the biggest thing I was just most excited about was just meeting everybody and like getting in the in the room with everybody and trying to understand personalities and be able to read by language and stuff like that in regards to our organizational meetings and, you know, being able to have our general manager, our owner, our assistant GMs in the room, um, just being able to get meet them, get to know them, like even as an, like an assistant coach at a, at a low level affiliate. It was like, okay, like there's a name to a, uh, there's a face to a title. And it's like, Hey, like this is the general manager. This is actually who Dana is versus like, okay, like the GM's coming to town. Okay. Like which one's the GM. And then from a data side of things, I think just again, like being able to see like how far we could dive into and information of like what makes them successful and okay. Like watching guys. Like, so for me as a catching person by trade and by background, it's like, okay, like, I can watch guys on film and I'm listening to our field coordinator and catching coordinator, Michael Thomas talk about catchers. And it's like, okay, like I could see in my head, like with this guy right off the bat in spring training, like this is something I'd like to dive into. And like, I want to watch more video and potentially dive into like how I can make this guy better. And you know, how, like what, what do I think are cues or verbal like cues or what can I put them into a drill setting that'll allow them to have success. And you know, I think that's where the the biggest challenge has been, I think, for me, like, you know, for us as an organization, like our low A team traditionally is more like Latin heavy. Um, so just really for me, the last like I would say, I mean, I, I took this job less than a month ago. So for me, like the, the last few weeks have been really just heavy learning Spanish terms, learning Spanish just phrases, learning just different things to allow them to understand cues. And I think just show respect out of my end of like trying to speak their language versus them being, hearing me being like, Hey, like work under the ball. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, Hey, work under the ball. And they're like, okay. And it's like, okay, like, no, no, no. Like, and it's like, now I can actually understand like how to explain that in Spanish versus just yelling at them in English and having them to understand it and not be able to, I think that's the biggest challenge that I've been working through here that I'm excited to do. And, you know, my boss as a manager for us in Fayetteville is bilingual. So I told him when I met him at our meetings, I was like, Hey man, like I want to learn it. Like I want to get better at it. Like don't be afraid to speak to me in Spanish and for me to look at you and be like, como se dice, como se dice, and like try to figure out what you're saying. So I, I'm, you know, I think that's something that I'm really excited about is just being able to continue to, again, like broaden my ability to communicate with players almost worldwide then in regards to like how to grow our game. And so from from the way that we did things from an onboarding standpoint, it, the Twins, 
I, I go through this like week and a half hiring process where every day I'm, I'm talking with a different person every single day, talking with a different person, climbing up the ladder a little bit. And then I do like a, a panel went well, I accepted the job and they're like, great, we're going to fly you out for a, a hitting camp in November. It's going to be a week long deal in Florida. And I was unbelievably excited. And then I, I get on the airplane and I, I start flying out there and I'm like, holy smokes, I'm nervous. And, uh, and it's, and it's crazy. Like I, I can't, I think the last time I, I was nervous was, I mean, maybe the, f the first time in, in Omaha when we, when we went out there and it's, 30,000 people and you don't realize what that's like until you're there. And, um, and it was that same kind of feeling of like uncertainty and just, uh, maybe a feeling of, Oh man, did I make a huge mistake? Am I, is this going to be something that I'm well received in whatever? So we, we get on the plane, I, I lay over in Dallas and I get on another plane with a couple guys that I start to recognize. There's the, one of the twins first rounders is there. Uh, that I had coached against and um, there's a couple more guys and then we we land in Florida we get in this van and they start talking and I'm like why was I nervous like these these guys are just baseball players across the board it's the same guys that I've been around in in the the high school players when I go back home and I try and help out some of my hometown high school guys on Whidbey Island and it's the same talk and speak as the college guys here and you know I I think there's a lot of value in the time I've spent with players like Tommy Troy, who was a first rounder and, and you know, the, the amount of draft picks that have gotten here. And so I started listening to these guys talk and I was like, man, I don't know why I was nervous. This baseball is baseball across the board. Baseball players are baseball players across the board. So we go into this hitting camp for a week long deal. And I, I start learning about uh, the way that they, they approach the swing and everything is, is awesome because now it's, it's things that I've seen with my eyes before and haven't really figured out how to, uh, articulate what I'm seeing, you know, like we can all do it, right. You're like, oh, your, your barrels dumping early, but what's the, what's the cause of this? Or your hands are rushing out front. Okay. What does this really tell us that we're doing? And so I start to learn a little bit more about sequencing. And throughout that week, I get just unbelievably excited. And at one point I told our hitting coordinator, I was like, Hey, I'm going to be honest. Like there's, there's a little bit of a part of me that's like, man, am I, uh, am I unprepared for this? Am I not qualified for this? And that's the first time in my career that I've been like, I, as a hitting coach, there's there's some doubt in there. And he goes, no, no, no. This is the way that everybody comes in the first time. Like you're just learning new verbiage, right? Like it's the same stuff that you've been talking about, but it's just a different way of talking about it. And you're able to now like kind of quantify things with the numbers that we have. And you're able to have just this unbelievable access to video and data to kind of break things down and then back up the things that you've been seeing. And so um, it went from this point of like nervousness and, and un, you know, just unsure about whether I was, I was making a bad decision to excitement about learning new things and, and kind of being able to apply that to a craft that I've taken a lot of pride in over the last, you know, X amount of years since starting to coach. So it was, it was cool. And then since then it's been, uh, every week we have a zoom. And then they kind of break down like a little part of advanced reports and then we put it into practice. And then the following week, they'll kind of give you like a pitcher or two. You practice giving an advanced report on that pitcher to the rest of the members of the Zoom as if they were the hitters in the, you know, in your meeting. And um, it's cool. It's it's very similar to what we would do at the college level. Right. And um, uh, of, you know, what this guy's going to throw. Uh, but now you have an entire like biology lesson on how he throws those things and how he moves and all these things. 
I feel fortunate that at Sanford, I learned a lot about movement plots and those things um, and, and how that affects, you know, the hitter's view of pitches. So I, I had a little bit of a leg up on that, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been unbelievable. It's just been one zoom per week so that you don't feel overloaded. And then all of our coordinators and everybody has been really accessible as far as just like, Hey, do you feel behind on this? What do you need? And then you set up like a second meeting with them. It's been, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, guys, I got a question for both of you. You know, we have a lot of those, you know, younger coaches are getting into the game, you know, and you know, why you hear a lot of the guys that they get into wanting to become coach. They want that head job really bad. What could you say about the process? I mean, for both of you guys have had, you know, different jobs at different times of your stages of your life, but you guys from listening to you both in your process and where you're at, you know, both CJ and Jeff, you guys have been patient about that. What kind of advice could you give for that, say, 20-year-old, you know, young, mid, maybe mid-20s, young, you know, ambitious coach wanting to be the head guy at one point in his career? Uh, so I, I'll say that there's, there's a, when I first started out coaching, uh, at, at Seattle university with Donnie Harrell and that, that staff was awesome. Looking back on it, it was Donnie Harrell, Elliot Cribby, Mike Nato and Jeff James. And now Mike and, and Jeff are doing their thing at San Bernardino. They had an incredible year last year, went to the world series. Elliot's now at, at central Washington and then Donnie's still kicking, right? Like doing his thing. And, um, in, I was fortunate enough to be around these guys uh, through the kind of rise of each of their careers. And I'll never forget mentioning money in the general vicinity of Coach Cribby and him immediately kind of snatching me up and saying like, hey man, if money is ever a, a thought process early on in your career about this, like don't, this isn't for you. Like this isn't for you. You're not, you're not for the players. You're not for the the development of a program. You're not for it. Like this is this is just not going to be for you, and you're not going to be for them. And I took that to heart. Like I, I, I think one of the reasons that that Callie and I have worked so well together for years, and why he's one of my best friends, is um, I, I wanted to coach, and I was going to do whatever it took to coach. Right? Like I took a job blind out in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, because I wanted to experience something different right out of college, and was we was working part-time at a ymca opening up you know the facility at early morning hours sending recruiting emails there i, I would catch like a 10 minute nap in the bathroom I, I legitimately like sleep on the floor in the bathroom with my hood up it just put like the be right back thing on the desk just so i could catch up on sleep a little bit and then drive my chevy malibu that had its alternator stolen out to pittsburgh and so i had to like kind of feather the gas a little bit in order to get it to like catch <laughs> and just to go just to go recruit right and i never once was like money money is an issue right like i never once even thought about it i said yes to everything i could do uh, i worked as hard as i could and i knew that i would take any job possible in order to keep doing this thing that i love right and and then from there it's it's bucknell and you get the division one job and you're like super juiced about it and okay it pays like 7500 on the year so you got to figure out how to live with that so i started bouncing right and started doing that driving the same chevy and um and it, it really wasn't until my my you know second year there when when calhoun and i talked about working and and all that stuff and i was like shoot i'm gonna have benefits for the first time since i got off my parents insurance thing and he's he said that earlier and it's it's no joke right like you you kind of I, I was playing open gym basketball with all the coaches and stuff and if i blew an acl out 
we were going to be walking around with that torn ACL for, you know, until I got insurance. Um, maybe you don't think about it. And so I, I would say my advice would be just, if you want to coach, you got to just, you got to stick with it. And, it. and it's so easy to compare yourself, right? Like comparison is the thief of joy. You start looking at other people that might be your same age and say, okay, they're ascending here, right? Like me, Calhoun and Kelly are all in the same kind of, same kind of, bracket age group right and and two of the three of us have been head coaches and i have yet to reach that and if i had used that as a marker for success i i wouldn't have loved what i did every single day i wouldn't have found joy in being an assistant coach i wouldn't have found joy in being a, a you know video tech and analytics coordinator at stanford i would have been like well the guys in my same class are head coaches now or have had that experience what am i doing and so if you want to coach coach and figure out a way to do it and just stay on your own path because nobody's path is very rarely a straight line everybody kind of has the zigzags to get there i know that that kel has had to mow fields and has had to do some gritty things in order to get to where he is and i mean calhoun's got <laughs> endless stories of doing stuff to get to where he is so if you want to coach you get you just got to stick with it don't worry about the money and don't don't compare yourself to the other people that might be in your same age bracket because it's just not it's it's just going to kill it for you that's what I, that's what i've got to say sorry that was my my soapbox there jason i've told people for a long time like especially in recruiting when we work together like trying to follow cj up on stuff is miserable but is you know you know I, there's a couple things on cj's comments one uh yeah cj you went to omaha so like what am i what am i doing here like what, what is this all worth? twice like, went yeah, to like, twice like like cj and i have talked about like for me when i first started coaching like my dream was to go to omaha like that was my dream hey, i have a d2 one of those like to go to carry like it's pretty cool it's on it's on my uh nightstand i look at it every night and cry about losing the national championship game every night it's fine but um you know i think you know like that, like I think, like I told CJ a long time ago when I first got into it, my goal as a coach was like my grandma lived in Omaha. And as a kid, I had an opportunity to go to the College World Series with her and I didn't go. And something came up and I couldn't make it. And I was going to drive out there with my dad and like have this experience with my grandmother. And then she passed like right after that. And so I never got to go to Omaha. And so that's always been an aspiration like hey i'm never gonna go like as much as i love cj like i'm not gonna go watch the world series like i wouldn't do it as a as a coach i wouldn't do it as a as a fan i just won't do it i like the only time i'll ever go to omaha is as a coach and until then you know that's that was the objective and so you know i like that was my goal getting into it and then i get my first job at westmont college in santa barbara is an nai program and you know i think there's a quote my my first coaching job was when i started working at skagit valley college I, I coached linebackers at newport high school in the fall of 2009 and kelly i don't think i ever told you this so my high school football coach was the defensive coordinator there and i came back from my first year of college and was trying to make some extra cash. I came like, hey, in. I can give you a couple hundred bucks. Like if you come help out with the linebackers, like outside of practice and like when you have days off, like come help out. I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I started. I got into coaching when I got done with college baseball. I started coaching, and I came back. And every year when I'm in Washington for, for the holidays, I'll get coffee with them. 
and like he and I'll get 6 a.m. coffee. Dan Holden, um, he texted me when I got this job here with the Astros, and he's like, you know, just the proudest person on the planet outside of my parents. And he told me this quote a long time ago, and I live by it. It's easy to make a buck, but it's hard to make a difference. And if you get in this, like CJ said, if you're in this and as a young coach, you're freaking out about money, like it ain't for you, man. And it sounds terrible. And I think I've said it before, like there, like CJ said it, like I've done a bunch of odd jobs and done a bunch of random things to make this work and to continue to do this job and live out my career. But, you know, it's easy to get caught up in like, man, I can go do construction or I can, I can go farm or I can go, you know, work marketing at T-Mobile or I can go do something to make money. But if you're in the business of making a difference in kids' lives, like, and in a moment it's hard to realize that because, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it's like, there's, you know, I got coach Ruiz telling people I'm making pennies an hour to players when he's running them. But it's those guys I've been like, and I heard this from Pat Bailey and Pat Bailey was one of my mentors when I first started. And Pat is still a really good, like a really good friend of me and someone I look up to. And he, you know, he always said, he's like, Hey man, like you're judging your success off of wedding invitations and how many people want to bring their kids to meet you. And I was like, man, like that's a really deep thing to tell a 25 year old kid. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And as you know, my refrigerator here is, completely full and I have to buy more magnets, which is frustrating. And CJ knows I'm a frugal human being. Like I'm having to buy more magnets because I got so many guys who are like, Hey, like come to my wedding, come to my wedding, come to my wedding. Like I've made enough of an impact on them in the three years or one year or two years or wherever my stops have been that they want you there. And to them, when you show up and you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to have a, a decent amount of players become coaches that when they get into this profession, they ask me that question, like, Hey, what would you tell me? And it's like, Hey man, like I don't come from a ton of money. Like, it's not like I'm just sitting on a bunch of cash in my pocket and like, yeah, I can, I can go make no money and be okay. Like mommy and daddy are going to bail me out. Like it was like, Hey, like I, I want to do this and I want to make an impact. And it's like, no one's different than me. And no one's different than any of us as coaches that have made a bunch of sacrifices to do this. And that's where, again, I go back to that quote of like, it's so easy to make a buck, but it's really hard to make a difference because you can work your nine to five. And I said to my family when I took this job this year, like I went, I was in, I was with my parents when I was doing my interview process here with the Astros. And we're talking about the questions. I was talking about the questions of my parents after I interviewed and they're like, this is who you are. Like, this is your career. Like, this is what you're built to do. Like you were, you were put on this planet to coach. Like that's what you were put here to do. And the fact that you've ever thought about doing something else is, is disrespectful to people that have invested in you. And, you know, again, I think there's a lot of guys that, you know, Kelly knows them too. Like there's guys that we got into this with when we first started that aren't doing it anymore. And guys that I, I truly love and care about. And, it is a brotherhood. It is a culture. It is a family of coaches in the Northwest that like, and it's hard. Cause like when they get out, it, it is harder to keep up with them. And you know, like I'll be the first one to admit that with like, you know, Nate Bobrowski is one of my closest friends in my twenties when I first started coaching and you know, Nate got out, got a bad deal on some stuff. And you know, he's, he's still making an impact on kids doing a different job, but it's like, you know, I'm not talking to him every two or three days. Like I do CJ or I do Kel or I do Kelly or I do 
other guys that I'm friends with, like Kevin Koppel, like it's just it, like if you can if you can survive those first couple of years, like there's people that will that one respect you for doing it, and two that'll be in your corner for life. And it's you know it's a I feel like we've taken a really dark turn on this scene, like in regards to like the reactions on this camera. But like I think it's like again like it's it's a family. It's a and you know I joked about it in my interview. I was like, yeah, I'm part of the Northwest Mafia. Like that's my thing. Like I'm part of it. And, Either you want to have them in you, you either want the mafia in your system or you don't. Like, it's up to you. So, like, now hit the Godfather, like, background music while we <laughs> <you> transition. <laughs> da, 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 da. No, and I think you guys hit on a lot of it, too. I mean, especially that young coach thing, because it's a great question from Jason. But, like, it's it's so weird how not a straight line our profession is like it, it, you go to and i think we've probably talked about this before but if you go work in a factory you're the you're the greeter you're the machine guy you're the this you're the that you're the manager you're the boss you're the ceo whatever like that's just kind of how things work right you put your time in it and it happens and that's just not the deal for us right uh, i i think there's always other opportunities you always have to know someone something has to open up and something has to work in your favor um but it, the inevitable is like you're, you're always thinking about you know well is this is this a good opportunity should i do this and you got people in your corner that you're kind of asking about different things it's not that we all like don't like where we're at right but uh and i know i know there's some loyalty that goes into that i mean you'll get college football alone right now how how that thing has changed like baseball is not like that right now but um i i think inevitably like we're always kind of looking and i think the tough part to get into especially younger was you know something opens up and you, and you kind of get your hopes up right oh shoot i should i should go do that like that would be a good job i know that person there and it doesn't work out like i, I think that we probably all in this room have had you know, 10, 20, 50, 100 different opportunities that we thought about that, that ended up just not ended up working out. So you just, you're, you, you are where you are, right? You are where your feet are and you go about that. But, but talk about that for you guys. I mean, I know you've been to a few different places, but how do you guys manage those thoughts in your head about like opportunities open up and trying to picture yourself in that role? not sure in the angle to go to take it, but um, well, you don't have to name names of, of specific places, but talk about kind of some of that thought process in your guys' head in the past. Hey, real quick, um, I'll take this one first. Uh, CJ, would you say that's kind of similar to how like Chuck E. Cheese works with like you work your way up? <laughs> yeah, from my experience uh, being a uh, ball pit lifeguard, working my way up to uh, – the animatronic band mechanic uh, to the top ticket taker in the Northeast, all the way up to being the manager at Charles Entertainment Industries. Uh, yeah, it's very, very similar. Very similar. There's a great background story to that. I'll tell you guys off, the, off, the, off the record. You know, CJ, as soon as I started hearing like factory, like greeter, I was like, man, like, you know, I think CJ would really understand like what <laughs> these guys are talking about. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but no, I think. Uh, you know, it's that classic saying, like, hey, the grass is green where you water it. You know what I mean? And I think, um, you know, I've said it before. I think loyalty, like, you're as loyal as you are 
to take care of yourself and your family. Like, you know what I mean? And I think that's where, you know, like CJ said it earlier, it's like, you know, he called me about the opportunity to Stanford when he was working with me. And I was like, dude, like from a, what you're going to get paid and like the opportunity you're getting to work at a place that, you know, we've both worked camp there for years. Like we've, we've hustled to do this for a long time. And like, as you know, and, and I think that's where it comes into play. Like, phone calls of like, Hey, this isn't your head coach talking. This is your friend. Like if we were flipping roles, I'm doing it. And you know, it's just the honesty factor to it. And I think that's where it's like, it, I told people for a long time, like, and I've said still to this day, like who you hook your car up to means a lot. And I've been really fortunate to have hooked my car up to really great people in my career of like Robert Ruiz, who's now the athletic director at Westmont um, to Eric Newman who UC San Diego won the Big West last year, even though they were playoff ineligible, to Justin James, and then to being the guy that the cart gets hooked up to. And I think that's where, for me at Biola, too, like, you know, loyalty, like you're saying, Kelly, like, I I called Justin at Point Loma and was like, hey, man, I don't, I don't think I'm going to take this job. Like, I don't think I'm going to be the head coach at Biola. And, you know, I went and, you know, the hand of God is a faith-based man. Like hand of God kind of played on that one. Like I had to go, I didn't live in the greatest neighborhood in San Diego. So any of my Amazon packages got delivered to UC San Diego's Amazon Dropbox. And so I, I drove to campus to pick up uh, some pens for recruiting actually. And I drive by and I'm like, I wonder if Eric's here. I wonder if coach Newman's here. And sure enough, his car was there, which in the summer, all the guys that listen to this podcast that are San Diego guys, like, no, like, Coach Newman's got five kids, man. Like, he ain't in the office unless there's something going on. And otherwise, he's out recruiting. He's out doing other things. Like, he's out being a, a, a dad. And I drive in, and his car's there. And I was like, dude, okay, I'm going to go talk to him because I just got offered this job. Drive in, walk in the door. He's like, hey, close the door. Sit down. We're going to talk about this. And, you know, like, he's been a, like like cj talked about earlier about like there's certain people that when they talk you listen for me eric newman's one of those guys and he made a great comment that was like as a faith-based man like you can't be afraid of walking into a room that's dark and being afraid of the boogeyman and like you got to be able to turn the light on and figure out what's in there and that was for me becoming a head coach and i think kind of like jason you, you were asking about being a head coach as a young guy it was like you don't know what you don't know until you get there. And it was like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to stay at Point Loma. And he's like, buddy, you're going to have to explain to every person when you interview for a job from here till eternity, why you didn't take a head coaching job when you were offered it. So like, why would anybody hire you for an assistant job when you've turned down a head job? And I was like, man, like that's a real comment. And that's a real business decision here. And I think similar to CJ with the Astros, man, like there were times for me in the process, I was like, what am I talking about? Like, like I'm not, you know, professional coaches are on this level. And for me, it's like being a Northwest guy. It's like, man, like it's Craig driver. It's Tanner Swanson. It's Kai Correa. It's Billy Boyer. It's like, they're in this category to me of human beings and people that I don't, that's not where I fit. And you know, you know, again, like talking about the call here, it's like, you know, I called CJ and I was like, man, like, I don't know. Like, obviously my parents were like, ah, you know, like, ah, like, you know, and he, 
and he brought up again like the nostalgia idea of like your your locker is going to have your jersey with your name in it and i was like that's wild like that's not something i could have ever imagined when i was cleaning toilets at westmont college like not a chance in 2014 that i would be doing this and that was uh you know, I just, again, I think, like, it, it's so easy to look at everybody else. And, like, CJ said, or, like, comparison is so poor for your career path. And it's, like, it's so easy to compare and it's so easy. But, like, the thing that changes everything is your work ethic and the, and the time you put into how great can I make where I am. And if you focus on that, like, and, again, there's going to be challenges in every place you go. And I think I'm not going to put words in CJ's mouth, but, like, working at Division One. Just because you're working at Division One doesn't mean there's obstacles and challenges at your place. And it's like, how do we make the place that I'm at the best I can make it? And how can I make, again, like going back to the players being the priority? Because if we don't have players, we don't have a job. And for me, I got told this by a guy who passed away last year. Uh, he was the head coach at a junior college in Illinois and then was the AD at Tyler Junior College in Texas. He was the AD of the year the year he passed. Um, was your coach, you're, you are impacting somebody's glory days. And that for me is something that like, I, I never take for granted is like, Hey man, like, how do I like, yeah, I'm not a big celebrate a home run guy and like pimp home runs. But in college, like here at Campbell, when I worked here, man, those dudes love to pimp home runs with first base coaches. So it's like, <laughs> Hey, like, okay, like I'm going to be in on it. I'm going to do it because like for them, like these are moments that they will remember forever. And like, how am I a part of that and encouraging them to be able to come back a year, five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road and be like, man, like I remember these moments. Like that's, that's where, again, like nostalgia comes into play of like, it's so easy to look at like, what if, and I should have done this and maybe I should have done that. It's like, but the moments you have at the places you have, like that's who makes you. And yeah, that's my long-winded answer, CJ. So follow that up. <laughs> uh, so, so basically, I, I I think about it as far as other opportunities and everything comes up. Uh, you know, my 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 dad always says that life is what happens when you're making other plans, right? We we get into coaching for for one reason or another, and I I think for me initially there was just this massive amount of ego right i had a little bit of insecurity because i just was a very average to below average college player with a very forgettable career at a very forgettable college right and um and instead of looking at it and being grateful for the experiences that i got to have that you know not a, not a lot of people do get to have i kind of looked at it as again my my friends did this and people in my circle did this and I've got to figure out a way to surpass that. And so the mission originally was get to division one and I got there. And, um, for me, the, the fit was so, so, uh, but then once getting there, I realized like, Hey, family is, is so very important to me. So I, I'd rather be a two hour flight away from home, uh, than in case anything were to ever happen, than be a, you know, five hour flight away from home. Um, and and so then you know i look at it years later and it's kind of funny you, you 
you don't want to ever give your your players or your you know when you're at the high school or college level you don't ever want to give those guys advice that you wouldn't give yourself right and one of the biggest pieces of advice that i'd give when i'd stand up there at like camps or whatever and it look at high schoolers and i would tell them you know wearing the stanford logo and i'd tell them hey fit should surpass anything right like that should be the thing that that matters the most because you you can be in in simpson university where i went to school or you could be standing on the field in Omaha and at the end of the day, the cameras just make things look cooler, but baseball is baseball in between the white lines and fit is everything. And I, I kind of look back on that and I'm like, man, fit really is like the most important thing. And so while, while these opportunities might look great, I, I think it's really important to keep in mind, you know, fit is just, is so very important. And I I've told Callie before that if I don't get the Biola job, I don't know that I'm still in coaching. Like I, I just, I, I really don't know that I am. It, it reinvigorated my love for the game, the the love for for coaching and and just being around players and everything. I just, yeah, I just, you know, and I was fortunate enough to move move on from there and and feel like I've been following my own advice for the first time in in years. The last the last five years I've been doing this thing. So I, I just would say that I think that yeah, to to answer that like fit. It's just got to be like the most important thing for you. Yeah, I, I think that relationship aspect is so important. You know, I mean, Jeff, you to hit it spot on the head. You know, it's about you, you really got to tag the right car that you're going to tug along with, right? I mean, you become like those you associate with, and if you associate with the right people, they're going to get you the right direction. And so, I want to follow up with a question of how important is the goal aspect? You know, when I, you know, we all talk about you know, year in, we read out our own personal goals, but, you know, as coaches, we really haven't really spoke on much about this, but writing out those personal coaching goals and actually, you know, you know, people always say, well, I got goals, you know, do you really have goals? A goal is in my book is something is written on paper, right? Something you can visually see. It's not really a goal until it's put on paper, you know, because initially you can always have thoughts and your thoughts can always draw you to the left to the right, you know, but a goal written on paper is always going to keep you moving straight ahead. So how important was it for both of you guys to have those goals? I know, Jeff, you kind of brought that up a few different times, but having those goals, you know, I mean, when I first got into coaching, you know, um, I became really good friends of Kim, Kim Cox from DeSales. And, you know, Kim, Kim was real big on that. And he had told me, you know, when I got into DeSales, my goal was in five years of taking over this program, we're going to have these guys state bound. And so, you know, I took upon myself and that was it. You know, I wanted this, that same vision, that same drive. And so by year three, we, we made a state appearance. And so, but, you know, just setting those things every year and year out, how important were those for you guys? Yeah, I, I, I think that goal setting is, is massively important, especially because a lot of coaching isn't super sexy, right? There's a lot of things that you, that you have to do that don't involve, hitting a fungo and throwing BP and, you know, talking with your players and, and bantering with them. Right. Like there's, there's so much more than that. Um, and I, I, I kind of like look, look back at when I was at Seattle, U. The, the best time ever to be a coach is when you're a grad student, because everybody in the coaching world is willing to help you out. Right. Like I sent a blind email to Monty Lee, his first year of getting the job at Clemson and was like, Hey, congrats, been following you. I'm a grad student, whatever. It's just blind email, right? It was part of a group project thing. And he sent me a cell phone number within five minutes of the email. 
because everybody wants to help that person out. And so I started reaching out to more coaches and I, I got a one-on-one -on -one with Heather Tarr at UW and, um, I, I went to the facility and she and I sat down and she tells me this incredible story about her interview process and how she pretty much had said, Hey, I, by this is my plan. These are my goals. This is how we're going to get to a national championship. And by year four, I will bring a national championship to the university of Washington. She gets this job by, by kind of like luck, right? There was other applicants and people with bigger names and whatever at the time than her, she gets this job. And what does she do year four hits this thing on the head, right? So that solidifies it for me. I was wide, eyes wide open. I'm like, all right, I'm going to hit these goals. I'm going to get here. I'm going to get here by this time. And, um, and, and Omaha, similar to what Callie had said, was a, a place that was sacred for me. And I wasn't going to go until I was a part of a staff that was going. And I had that set in my, my Heather Tarr four-year plan of oh, we're going to get to Omaha the, for the second I reached Division One baseball. And I got to Bucknell. And, um, you know, it wasn't in the cards for, for that level of play. And it, it, it took some time, but you know, the, those, those goals that I had set were part of the reason that I kept pushing forward, right? Like you, in the, in those days where you're doing things that you're counting baseballs, cause your head coach is like, Hey, I need to know how many all weather balls we have. And you're like, what, what? why? does that even matter we have you know 152 and he's like Meh, i counted myself and it was 153 and you're like why did i count that, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that wasn't me that wasn't me i was a jerk of cj baker <laughs> not me. That was not me. We had 154 at Biola. Uh, it, 166. It, it, it's no big deal. Whatever, <laughs> Kelly. Like, calm down. But those jealous. <laughs> but those those days where you're doing things as especially as a as an assistant and kind of fresh in it, where you're like, I I've got friends that are making their way up the Boeing ladder right now who've had two master's degrees paid for. Uh, what am I doing with myself? And then you kind of are able to look at these hard set goals for yourself. You're like, you know what? The more ambitious version of myself when I first started, that that's what I got to get back to. It's it's really important, I think, to have those things set up for yourself, especially as kind of like your bumpers in a bowling alley, right? Where the ball's just kind of heading a little bit. You're you're heading a little bit more towards the gutters, and you're like, uh, maybe coaching is not for me. And you're able to look back at that and be like, all right. I'm actually taking some steps forwards toward this thing and you hit your bumpers and you head straight for the pins from there and whether you knock them all down at once or you knock one down at a time until you get to that that place that you want to be I, I think it's really important good good luck cali <laughs> that's what i told myself every time you talk to a recruit on a visit and it's like <laughs> let's look at the head coach now and it's like yeah so what do you want Same. yeah <laughs> Ditto. Um, <laughs> how much money you'll get. Yeah. Here's your scholarship. CJ says you're a good player. Like, so, if you're not, I'm firing CJ. So it's fine. Like, <laughs> the real reason you went to Stanford comes out. So anyway, um, no. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, I think. Like, gosh dang it! Now I'm just being a jack wagon. Uh, can you can you repeat the question? Because I'm 
slow-minded. Yeah. And CJ just killed maybe it. C- so. Maybe CJ, you can help out with this a little bit. You know, I mean, you, you let off really well. So Yeah, CJ, you crushed it. So tell me, how, tell me what the question is, CJ. <laughs> Do my job for me again like the past. <laughs> <laughs> Count all weather balls for me like you did in the past. <laughs> uh, it ba- basically... Uh, short walk for a short drink of water how important is goal setting uh, as you as you get into your coaching career yeah guys you gotta remember it's 11 30 out here like That's some of right. us wake up at 4 a.m to work out okay so it's like it's kind of a big deal here that you guys are keeping me up this late side so, note now that now that you've been out there how bad is it for playoff football to be on the oh, east yeah. coast the worst. Worst. it's the worst, the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. you know like the bills game i was up so late so late and CJ, you know me, like, early to bed, early to rise. Like, I love sleep, but, like, I'm going to go to bed early. I'm not a late-night guy. Like, you and the guys at the house would, like, be like, hey, we're watching a movie. It's like, all right, cool, I'm going to go to bed. Like, whatever. Like, I'm going to go to bed. Like, now it's like, all right, like, football's on. Got to watch till 11.45, and Taylor Swift wins. So yeah. I gotta stay up that late. Wasn't, so. well, that that Bills game was early. That Bills game was done at like nine thirty your time, old man. He goes. It felt like eleven It was a it six o'clock like start. Well, yeah, the like last week, but the week before. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> Mr. Taylor no, Swift uh, now, chatter now in here. Over the fact that I forgot uh, his question. Uh, so like, then he's gone. You so lost him at uh, Swifty. Yeah. <laughs> no, he he got mad that I forgot his question. It's fine. So, um, no, I think, I think from a goal setting standpoint, CJ is getting up and leaving too. So it's fine. Um, we're losing the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Losing the crowd here. It's getting late it's on the West coast too, fellas. So yeah. I think, um, no, like the, again, goal setting is important. Cause again, if you don't have something to achieve, like you're never going to have success. So like for me, like even like in a division two level, when I was an assistant coach or even as a head coach, I was like, Hey, like we want to go to carry, like we want to go to North Carolina. We want to go to the world series. Like that was always a goal. And you know, it's the classic line of like, if you shoot for the moon, you'll land in the stars. Mm-hmm. And Oh, oh, thanks Jason. I'm back. Like, I'm glad you're here. so <laughs> anyway, so like uh, I already, I already finished my answer. So like, thanks answer for the question um, jerk. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. so, oh, I wonder who said that with his hat, not backwards this time. But anyway, um, I think for us, like, Again, I think at the end of the day, like, you want to shoot for the moon. So for even, like, the day I got the job at Biola, I called every guy and was like, hey, like, here's what I'm going to do for you. Like, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to work my tail off for you. But I want to go to the World Series. Like, and there was a goal in place. And there was a goal in place when I worked at UC San Diego as an assistant coach and working for Eric Newman. Like, that was always the objective. And when we made it, like, it wasn't a surprise versus – if you say like, "Hey, our goal is to go 500," and you exceed that, then it's like, "Well, now what do we do?" Like we've been goal, we've been goal, like our goal plane has been for this, and we've exceeded our goal. Now what do we do? Like you know, I, I, and again, I think I've been I, I've been a big fan of watching you know, you know Dan Campbell and watching the Lions right now and like watching his progression and I love Dan Campbell. I've loved Dan Campbell and my dad and I watched like there's a there's a YouTube series that like comes out when he first gets the job of him talking about the draft 
and watching him and the GM work through the draft. And it's like inside of Dan, I think it's called on YouTube. And it's like watching them go through that process as first time GM, first time head coach. And like just seeing like, hey, from day one, it's been like, hey, we're going to win a Super Bowl. And like watching his interview even like or listening to his post game speech from Saturday, it was like, hey, man, like it like we knew like, hey, or Sunday, like we knew, hey, congrats on winning the game. That's awesome. We got two more to go. And it's not like, hey, let's win next week. Let's win this one. Let's win this one. It's like, no, 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 no. We've said from day one that we're going to win the Super Bowl. We need to win two games. How do we do that? And so I think that's where it's like goal setting is important and like your success for your team and success for yourself. Like, again, like my goals were get full-time insurance and get to Omaha. Those have been my two goals from day one. And now like, you know, my goal is to help a guy get to the major leagues and help a, help a guy win a world series. Like how do I help the Houston Astros win a world series? Like that's my job. And going to the meetings and being around the coordinators and talking to a lot of people like, you know, Kelly can knock it off over there. That's enough. <laughs> um, but like, I think again, like how do we do that? Like there's a lot of different things to do that. And that's even me right now, like going over goals, like working with our outfield coordinator, Dylan Nazo, because part of my responsibility is helping outfielders create their goals in low A. Like, how do I make sure that they're able to, like, here's your goals. How do we achieve them? How do we do our drill work to get there? Like, maybe that outfielder makes a difference in two years from now for us to win the World Series. And it's, like, not being so caught up in the short term, but allowing our long-term goals to lead us to success. And, you know, something that, you know, I'm in – the guest room in my house and there's a white, I, I call it my office usually. And we have people stay here like off and on when they come out and watch games and stuff. But my dad wrote this on the board and I'm going to show you guys it real quick. Um, my dad wrote this, which is dream bigger. And that's always been like, he wrote that and like CJ knows my dad. My dad's the most positive human being on the planet. The best like blue collar dude from Iowa. Like, Dad was a door-to-door salesman, like just blue-collar people. And that was something that, like, for me, like, he wrote that up there probably in May when I got – when they got here for our playoff run. And I haven't taken it down. And that's something that, like, I just always am like, man, like, that's the epitome of what I went through this offseason trying to figure out with this job. Like, hey, like, how big can you dream? And that was something with the Astros that was really exciting was just, like, the the plan that they had in place for me was, like, man, like, I'm not a big three- to five-year guy, but, like, where do you guys see me in three to five years? And they told me, and I was, like, man, like, okay, like, that's something I could dream about. And, like, that's something that I've never thought about being in a big league dugout. Like, that's a potential option. Like, yeah, like, I'm in. Now, entering from the bullpen. Well, that wraps up part one with C.J. Baker and Jeff Calhoun. And if you didn't enjoy that and if you didn't laugh at that, uh, yeah, go check your polls because those guys were awesome. They were so much fun to record with, and we are fortunate they were able to re- be return guests on our Funko Banner podcast. And so big thanks to Cal- Coach Calhoun and Coach Baker, and stay tuned next week for part two with these two guys as it just gets better and better. 
Thank you to Safeguard out of the Tri-Cities. Thank you to Devo Bats. And thank you to MaxBP. Go to MaxBP.com. Type in PNW Banter for 10% off your order. And for orders over $499, you will also receive a $50 gift of value. It's going to be fun. Go check them out. Go check out Heavy Swing. Go check out Frost Gear, all under the work, all the owned by MaxBP. So many great training aids for your program. It is guaranteed to make your program better. Frost Gear is guaranteed to keep you warm, especially because it's uh, snowing outside. So uh, we're going to have this March weather coming up, and we're all going to need some warm gear to get going. So go check us out. Go to allstatebaseball.com slash clinics and get signed up for the Washington State Baseball Coaches Association Coaches Clinic here at CWU, brought to you by AstroTurf as the title sponsor, and Greg Swenson there, Adrenaline Fundraising and Devo Bats. And go check them out. Get signed up. Bring your staff. It is such a fun. You will not regret spending those two days in Ellensburg, as Friday night will be in the movie theater with on panels, and I was in the theater today. It was awesome. It was such a nice venue setting. And then on Saturday, in the field house, fully AstroTurf heated with uh, – some great on-field demonstration from amazing coaches. A lot of state titles and people presenting this year. $75 for an individual coach, $150 for a staff of three or less, and $225 for a staff of four plus. Again, thank you to Coach C.J. Baker and Coach Jeff Calhoun, and stay tuned next week for at part two. And while you're waiting, I just please go on to your, your iTunes, go on Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast, and please rate us. Give us the five stars. Please comment. We love hearing the comments and feedback about our podcast. That only helps grow this podcast so we can keep this thing going year in and year out. So we would truly appreciate if each one of you took just a second out of your day to do that for us. Go check us out on all our socials. Please give us a follow. And we'll be back next week with more from Coach Calhoun and Coach Baker. Until next time, take care. We'll be back soon.